All right, we're on, and it's episode 10 of Across the Tracks podcast. Uh, I'm Wayne, as usual. And I'm Steve. And we're glad you guys could join us tonight and uh, into March. And uh, March Madness is right around the corner, so everybody will be gearing up for that. And a lot of good games this past weekend uh, that I checked out. And uh, March Madness, big rite of passage um, every year. So folks will be gearing up for that. Um, on let me, t- hey, Wayne, let me sure. let me say something here. I've, I've been thinking about this today. Absolutely. You know, March Madness is getting ready to start. And, um, you know, there are people out there that have office pools and stuff like that to bet on the games. And I think probably at least 60, 70 percent of the time, People put their five dollars in or ten dollars in for these pools and may get three or four sheets and just kind of, you know, enjoy kind of making the predictions. But I want to challenge people. You know, I, I never really do March Madness. I don't fill out those sheets because, uh, number one, it makes the games go terrible, <laughs> you know, because you think that you're going to do this and the team loses. Then you're upset. So. I would like to challenge people instead of spending money on putting monies in those pools. How about giving money, giving that five or ten dollars to a charity, you know, uh, St. Jude's or something like that. You know, uh, I think that would do much more good than kind of throwing that money away. That's just my thoughts on it. You know, I think that could be a positive thing that can help out our communities. And um, that way you, you're going to give that money away anyway and put it in a pool. Well, how about, you know, creating something positive for our communities with, with that money, if you're going to get into a pool or something there, that's just, just a thought. No, no, that, that has merit. And uh, again, you know, people do this every year. And, uh, you know, I, I know in, in my environment, um, you know, the, the pools aren't allowed because, you know, we're, we work for the government, so to speak. So those pools aren't allowed in the facilities. But I know there are people doing them, you know, at, at their jobs that aren't associated with, with the government. They have the brackets and, and everybody's putting in their money. So I, I think that has merit. I think that definitely has uh, has merit, and it is something that could benefit the community at large. And there are a lot of worthy organizations out there that um, could use a little extra financial boost, especially, you know, right after the holidays. We're going into, you know, summer and whatnot, and, and their coffers might be depleted because of what they did uh, during the holidays to help people. So, yeah, I, I think that is a, a worthwhile thought to consider. Absolutely. Okay. Sounds good. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for the episode tonight, um, a thought came to me. Uh, I was up early this morning at the break of dawn, um, primarily because I wasn't asleep and I was changing clocks because of uh, daylight saving time. So something popped into my mind and the the gist of it was um, what lessons have we learned as young men growing up in E-Town in our respective uh, areas um, across the tracks, what lessons have we learned and how did we take those lessons and utilize them in the various settings that we have found ourselves at this point in our lives 
um, from the various experiences that we had. How, how, how did we, you know, take those lessons that we may have gotten from parents, most definitely, um, friends, other adults in the community? How did we take those lessons and utilize them to, you know, make ourselves better as we went about the various um, settings in which we found ourselves in our lives? So yeah. that that's the topic for tonight. And um, I'll, I'll let you start it off as, as something that you may have learned that you took from E-Town. Maybe it was was a parent, a friend or whatever. And you utilize that to, uh, you know, in a various in a, in a setting you may have found yourself in. Oh, thanks, Wayne. I appreciate that. Well, I, I tell you, for the most part, I think my parents and the neighborhood parents um, sit a lot, spent a lot of time. Uh, just being good parents and uh, putting into our knowledge, into our sense of uh, neighborhood and community of always trying to do the right thing. Now, granted, and I admit, you know, I I was a bad kid at times, but overall in the background, there is always a, a, a piece of decency. There is always a thought of always wanting to do the right thing. You know, sometimes I was misguided at times, but uh, parents and friends and neighbors, uh, I learned a lot from them and some good and some bad. For example, I knew uh, growing up when someone got in trouble, some people went to jail and I didn't I didn't want any part of that. And especially the older I got, you know, as being a young kid, you don't think about that as much. Being a teenager, you start thinking about it a little bit. But the closer I got to the age of uh, 17, 18, then I really figured out that, you know, being incarcerated is something that I did not want to be. And every time that I thought about doing something that I was going to get in trouble that could end up in incarceration, I would literally take my hands, my fingers, and spread them out and stick them in front of my face and say, you know what, this is not going to be a good sight from behind bars. And so my parents always said, you know, someday you're going to learn these lessons. You're going to listen to us sometime because someday you're going to have kids and they may be just like you. And if you act a fool you know, it's a good chance that your kids may act a fool, so you better straighten up. And so those were lessons that I learned. And also, I think in the background that I had, and I still have a lot of self-confidence, and there was nothing that I could not do or I felt that I could do if I set my mind to it. You know, uh, my parents always talked about setting goals, and it's something that I found out uh, when I got into the military, you set goals and 90 percent of the times if you set a goal, you'll reach your goals because in the back of your mind, uh, you figure out that this is a goal that I'm going to set and you'll work your way towards towards that goal. And so uh, being self-confident and so on, I knew that I could uh, someday uh, be the person that my parents wanted me to be. And I've just kind of always worked that way. I kind of took some sidesteps or whatnot. 
But um, I've always felt that uh, I was a good person. I'm going to continue to be a good person. And I've always wanted to uh, help out the community in some way. And those were the issues and uh, the ideas that were passed on to me that I passed on to my kids. And these are the daily things that I do in my life uh, as of today. How about you? Yeah, um, I think, you know, for for me um, and that, you know, this this goes back, you know, to growing up, um, you know, there there in the bottom and, and, and you know, there were six of us. Uh, I, have, I have, you know, there's six siblings and um, growing up, you know, it, pretty much everybody, I think, lived by the same script. And that being that there was always, if not both parents at home, there was always one parent at home in the house. Right. When you came home from whatever, if it was school, if you'd been out playing somewhere, there was always a parent that you came home to. And for us, uh, our dad was a was a truck driver. He drove a truck for AFES. And so he he was gone a lot. You know, he would work and and stay in uh, in Dayton, Ohio, um, driving the truck and he was driving out of Dayton. So a lot of times he would stay in Dayton during the week, come home uh, that Friday night. So who was home during the week? Mom was home. And, and, and she set the rules and set the tone for, you know, what went on in the house. And a lot of that had to do with. Uh, knowing what your place was in the home, what was expected of you, and the fact that, you know, this is a home, everybody contributes to the success of this home. And so for me, that translated once I got out into the world and, you know, being in an environment where you're a supervisor or something and you've got a team of people uh, remembering that fact that, you know, we're a team. Everybody contributes to that team. Everybody is valuable. Everybody is worth, you know, everybody has worth. And my thing was I used to borrow a line from um, Remember the Titans uh, when Denzel was giving his speech there, one of the one of the greatest speeches, I think, in movies. He gave a, a speech. And one of the things, the line that he said was, I don't necessarily care if you guys don't like each other but you will respect each other. Right. And that was something that, that we learned as kids growing up is that, yeah, you guys, brothers and sisters, you're going to fight, you're going to have arguments and whatnot. But at the end of the day, you've all, you, you are all you've got and you've got to depend on each other because you're going to get older. And, you know, at some point, you, you know, your parents, they pass on or whatnot. And those siblings are, are your ties back to them and what you learned as a child. So that was always ingrained in us that, yeah, you're going to fight. You're going to bicker with each other. But I expect you to support each other, stand by each other and whatnot. And so I took those lessons and I translated that to these settings that I've been in, in the military and corporate America, where I've been leading teams and managing people is that, you know, we're all in this together. We're all part of this. I I don't expect you guys to be buddy, buddy, loving each other all the time, but you will respect what each person brings to the table. And you're going to respect that person because they're part of the human family. And I think that's a huge lesson um, to that was passed on to me. And I try to live that uh, in the environments that I find myself in now. Yeah, I, I, I said exactly the same thing to our kids, you know, Alex and Stephanie, you know, because 
I didn't grow up with really any siblings. You know, my older brother, Ralph, was seven years older than me, and he had his own group of fans, and I was just, you know, the little brother that was pestering around. So I really didn't have, you know, you had six six uh, siblings, uh, six of you guys, and you were the oldest. Right, You right. know, so your responsibilities were a lot different than mine. I just had me right. for the most part. Right, right. And so with my own, uh, with my own kids, you know, we told them, and you know, when they, as they got a little bit older, you know, as kids, as young kids, they played together. And then as they got to got older, you know, when Alex went to the middle school, you know, he wanted to not even claim his little sister, and and vice versa. But we constantly told him, you know, someday, you know, it's only going to be you two. So you're going to have to be responsible enough to take care of each other because, you know, mom and dad's not going to be here the entire time. So one way or the other, it's going to be up to you, you know. And the other thing is that, you know, our our kids uh, also grew up without grandparents. So um, there was no one close by. We didn't have they didn't have any cousins that were close by anywhere. I mean, the closest cousins was, you know, Broderick was in E-Town, but, you know, he was out doing his thing, and the rest cousin, rest of their cousins was in Florida or Louisiana or Texas. So they didn't uh, really have any uh, uh, cousins to, to hang out with. So their friends were their friends, but we always told them that, you know, you have to make it for yourselves. Right. You know, we're going to be gone. So you, you better learn how to communicate with one another and and learn how to get along because you right. know, we're not going to be here uh, the entire time. Right. Right. Yeah. And it, it's since since, uh, you know, our daughter is an only child. Another that, that's a whole different dynamic. Oh, yeah. Because, um, you know, she has cousins and everything. And, and fortunately, she did grow up with grandparents. Uh, the her um, maternal grandparents have passed on, uh, but my mom and dad are still alive. So she gets she's gotten a lot of good, um, you know, input from them as she, you know, grew up as a young lady. She got a lot of input from them. And, you know, a lot of the things we were taught about, you know, being respectful of people, uh, those people in authority, how you carry yourself when you're outside the home, because I'm sure as, as your parents told you when you go out that front door (laughs) you're representing this family right and and you didn't want to do anything that would cause embarrassment to come back on your family because oh yeah you you didn't want to go there so that is one of the things that we've tried to instill with our daughter is like you know when 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 you're out there representing you know whatever you're doing yeah you you you're representing us because you're a part of us but at the same time you've got to carry yourself in a manner that allows people to respect you and and that starts with one you got to know your self-worth and you got to have respect for yourself and so uh, that is what we've tried to instill a lesson that we got uh, and so we've we've tried to instill that in her because she is an only child. And a lot of times um, she's by herself. Um, she has tons of friends. Uh, one of the things that that we got as kids was and I, I remember, you know, my mom was saying this, you know, there, there's there's good and bad people everywhere. And those those good and bad people, um, they come in different hues, you know. Right. right. So, uh, you know, not all white people are bad. Not all black people are good. 
It's That's like right. people are people. Uh, there, there's a song that, uh, you know, and, and for me being a music person, I can always go back to a song. But there's a group called Depeche Mode. You you might have heard of Depeche Mode. Depeche Mode has a song. It's called People Are People. And the gist of that song is that we're all the same at the end of the day. We've all got the same needs. We want the same things. But for whatever reason, we can't get beyond the fact that, you know, I need to treat you bad or whatever because what it's in my power to do so instead of just looking at you as another person that's a part of the human family and give you that respect that is due for that reason alone. So that's what we've tried to tell our daughter. It's like there's good and bad people everywhere. It's up to you to decide, you know, who you want to be friends with. But at the same time, you have to carry yourself in a manner that, again, allows people to see that you have some self-respect for yourself. And I think when people see that, and they see that you carry yourself in a positive manner, positive people tend to draw, um, you tend to draw those people to you. Right. And, uh, and, and it enriches your life even more. So our daughter has a plethora of friends. Uh, I, I tell her sometimes you have, your, your friends are like the United Nations. You've got friends from all over the place, every hue, every ethnic group, whatever. But I, I, that, that's great because, um, you know, you learn so much about yourself when you surround yourself with people that are different from you and and you guys learn to grow together and find out about, you know, this is how life should be. Yep. Yep. I understand. That's for sure. That's for sure. And in the same way uh, with, with my parents, you know, they always said that, you know, I don't care who your friends are, just make your friends, make sure that they're good people. Yes. And that will lead you a long ways in it in itself. You know, if you hang out with a bad element, you're going to become bad. Yeah, yeah. You know, when I when I taught uh, school, you know, I taught for 30 years at a high school and it's amazing that people that have the same ideals, same uh, mannerisms and so on, they will find one another. You know, there's always cliques in school and so on. But after 30 years of experience. I don't care what it is or who you are, you will find somebody of your niche. And it may only take just a couple of days. And I've seen that to be the truth my entire 30 years of teaching and within my my life. You know, the people that um, I tend to be with, we have things in common, you know, Uh, you know, I really don't. I really don't and didn't really get involved with a bunch of really bad stuff or just do bad, really bad stuff. Once again, I admit I was mischievous. <laughs> I'll say that a thousand times. I was mischievous, but I really didn't hang out with a bunch of really bad people. Right, right. If those people started to become bad, then I would leave them alone. Right, right. I would leave them alone. You know, when we were growing up in E-Town, going, you know, through high school and stuff, we would go hang out and stuff, and we'd go to parties and so on. As soon as the bad stuff started happening, I would always find a way. Yo, man, I'm 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 out of here. You know, right. I, I'll talk to you later. Right. And so they continued doing that those type of things, and I was the first one always to say, Hey, I I catch I catch you later, man. Right. I you know I would find an excuse 
not to be there because that's kind of what my parents said. If you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, you're going to get the same thing that bad people get. Right, right. So I would always, you know, tend to slide away from that stuff. And I would tell my students in school that when bad stuff would break out, I said, I'm not going to lie to you. I would find a way out. You know, it's just like kids today, this idea, I'm not going to snitch on somebody. Well, let me tell you something. If it becomes me coming and getting in trouble, I'm going to snitch on you. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, I am not going to go to jail. I am not going to do something because you are my friend. I love you, man. It's cool. But guess what? You're on your own. Right, right. Because if they ask me if I saw you doing something and if you don't tell me the truth, you saw me, you're going to go to jail too? Yeah, I saw him do it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, but I saw him do it. That's That's just how it is. And that's just part of what was ingrained in me as, as a child and as a teenager growing up. And then once I got into the military, the same thing, you know, we would go places, you know, and so on. You know, people would go, we'd go out to discos, we'd go out to bars and stuff like that. And when all those other sailors and uh, Marines or whatever were doing bad stuff, something's going to break out. I'm out of here, man. I'll catch up with you yeah. later. Yeah. You know, that's just, that's just the nature of things. And that's how it, it worked for me. Yeah, no, and it it pretty much worked the same for me as well. I mean, you know, yeah, I did some things I wasn't particularly proud of growing up, and uh, you know, you 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 did just how it was, you know. But uh, it, it, uh, to echo what you said, uh, I tend to the same thing, man. We were I always finding myself being drawn to people who were somewhat like me. And uh, most of the guys uh, I, I play with, play racquetball with here uh, a couple of times a week. We have a lot of the same things in common. I mean, we just ended up migrating to each other. Right. And that's who I hang out with. Um, we can look at our relationship between me, you, Joey, um, Tony, all these guys that you know we grew up with. And at the time, growing up in E-Town, we, we knew each other. We may not have been as tight then. Right. But you evolve over time. And as as we got older, we found out, hey, you know, we got a lot in common. We got here. a lot in common, exactly. <laughs> a lot of good, and yep. uh, and that that you know the crew sort of you know opened that up. It's like you know here we are, um, you know we've been friends for collectively probably close to what. 60 years combined yeah yeah, yeah. You know? 55 you know, 60 years yeah 60 years of constant friendship and and you know not always in contact with each other but you know the fact that hey if if you were in the neighborhood if you 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 and Lynn came out to Colorado I think the very first time you came out here you said hey I'm coming through Colorado hey by all means come by and visit us you know, and you guys came and hung out with us. And yep. so it, it's 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 that constant thing that keeps you around people that, that are like you. And you know that like, hey, if I'm around this person, I ain't got to worry about nothing jumping off that may cause me to compromise myself. Right. You know? And 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 that's what I've tried to, you know, military, you got young troops that you're uh, supervising and, you know, they want to do what the guys downtown are doing. And I, I had to explain to them, you're supposed to be a little different because you you've got that uniform on and people look at you and there's they, they form an opinion of you because you've got that uniform on. But if you look and sound like the other people that 
or doing whatever, guess what? It tarnishes your reputation and it tarnishes the reputation of us as a whole, as military members, you know. And and I always had to battle that with, with the young troops that I supervised. And some of them got it, some of them didn't. And uh, those that didn't, they didn't last too long in the military because they still wanted to do what the guys in the hood were doing. And, uh, you know, the military is just not going to tolerate that. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. I know. You know, you, you, you know that, yeah. that, you know, certain things are expected. And, uh, you know, you, you can't you're, you're supposed to, you know, set yourself apart a little bit from, you know, from what's going on, because now the environment is different. And, um, you know, some of the younger troops got it. Some of them didn't. And, uh, you know, it was unfortunate those that didn't. They were they were good young kids, but uh, they they couldn't understand why you can't do A, B, C, D. OK. Yeah. And, uh, and and it was bad because a lot of them were young. They had young families. You know, they just got married when they got out of training. And now, guess what? You don't have a job anymore. Right. So uh, so th- those are, you know, learning that of, you know, you, you got to be careful who you align yourself with. Yeah. Uh, that was something we learned uh, in the house growing up there, all six of us. You got to be careful who you align yourself with, because even though you might not be doing anything, the fact that you are in proximity, uh, it, it might rub off on you. So Right, right. And and once again, we uh, we talk to everybody. I think a lot of uh, the, the the old golden rule, do, us, uh, do unto others as others do unto you, you know, yes. I think that has a lot to do with it because I, I'll talk to just about anybody. I, I've always kind of been open. And I can go any place, and if there's people there that I know that, that has something in common or whatever, I'll find a way of communicating with people because that's just how I grew up, you know. Uh, as a matter of fact, I I tell the story. I met Lynn, and it was one of those things that I was coming from a class at Eastern, and she was going for a class at Eastern, and I was talking to someone who used to live in E-Town. I don't know if you remember Rob Turner or not, but uh, they used to live right up the street from me on our side of the track. But he was in a different fraternity than I was, and we were having a conversation, and we happened to walk by the bookstore. And Lynn was there with maybe one of her sorority sisters or something, and I was talking to him, and she said something to both of us, and I didn't hear her. So Two days later, when we were coming back through the uh, same place, Lynn said, hey, uh, Tuesday, I talked to you and you didn't you didn't speak. You stuck up or something. And I looked around like me. I didn't say anything. I said, oh, I no, you're kidding. She goes, yeah, you didn't say anything to me. And I said, "Nah," And I could have sworn. I said, well, I was talking to somebody. I think I was engaged in that conversation. If you said something. You know, I apologize. I'm sorry. And that kind of started a conversation. That conversation ended up being 35 years of marriage later. <laughs> but it's one of those things that, you know, you 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 talk to people, you just have a be civil, number one. And it doesn't matter who it is. We'll talk to just about anyone. And as I was telling you earlier, before we started recording this, uh, got a message from Charlie Riggs, who we went to school with. Yeah. And he was just basically saying, you know, what we talked about before 
in the previous segment with uh, Joey on there and says that, you know, we would go down to the to the school and just play basketball. It didn't mean if matter if you were black or white or white guys against black guys. We would just team up and play one another. And Charlie was always there with us playing ball and stuff like that, you know. So that's just the way that's just the way our parents taught us. That's just the way the neighborhoods were. That was E-Town, you know. Now, there were some people that we did not get along with, of course, but, you know, there were some alternative facts to that, you know. But uh, for the most part, you know, if you if you speak to someone correctly, if you treat them like a human being, if you treat them like you want to be treated, and this is what we've always done, we have no problem, we'll have no beast with anyone because that's just the nature of, of our upbringing. And I think for the most part, all of E-Town is kind of that way. You know, even the people that, that went astray, I'll still talk to them. I'll go up and say, hey, man, how you doing? What's going on? I hadn't seen you for a long time. And then after a while, oh, man, I'll catch you later. You know, it's good talking to you. And then we go our separate ways. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It uh, you know, the the golden rule is is I mean, it's the simplest, uh, the simplest thing that I think uh, that exists as to how human relationships should be. You treat me the way you want to be treated. And and I think we go about uh, today. We, we tend to just, you know, we want to treat people um, badly just because. And and we, we seem to think we have carte blanche on bad behavior these days. And that's not how I was raised. I, I, I and neither neither of my siblings were raised that way. It, we, we are going to treat you with kindness first off. Uh, but don't take, you know, our kindness for, you know, that, that you can just, you know, walk over us, whatnot. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's a purpose behind being kind. And, and it's just because you are a fellow human being. And, and I found that that, you know, taking that as, you know, a lesson that, that I took into another environment. Uh, I was living in Turkey uh, when I was uh, in the Air Force and uh, I had an opportunity to teach English at this school. And the students, they were college age kids. So they, they had a little experience, but they were college age kids who were learning, uh, doing their English as a second language certification because they had jobs and the jobs required them to be fluent in English. Uh, but, you know, talking to those kids, uh, it was like me talking to you because I approached them from, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. I'm here to help you. I want to see you succeed, get your certification. And then what's your goal after you get that certification? And a lot of them would tell you their whole life story and whatnot. I got invited to this family's, uh, one of the students, uh, their parents invited me and a couple of my friends over for dinner. They cooked this huge dinner for us and everything. And it was simply for the fact that you treated my daughter with kindness. So we want to repay that. And so right. come have a meal with us. Yeah. And so um, if we can get back to just being kind to each other, I think the what's going on right now, because there's such vitriol out there, man, there's so much, you know, hate and, and anger about stuff. And it's like, if we can just treat people kind, I think that might ratchet things down a bit. Yeah, yeah. And I, some of that is the nature of today's society. You know, I think society kind of falls into a a trend of everything has to be sped up. 
You know, uh, everything has to, uh, there's no in between. You're either all the way on one side or all the way on the other. Either you drive like you got sense or you drive crazy as hell. Right. You know, and that's what I've noticed uh, the past few years is that people just don't have any civil uh, civics. You know, I think they need to bring civics back to to the schools. You know, um, people should know about the government, how the government works. Instead of just listening to what people say to you, how about read what this situation is? Read what the government's about. Read what the school's about. Read what these churches are about. Read what society's going on, you know, what's going on in society. And we're such in in a place now that we just aren't very civil to one another. And we just aren't. And it's a shame uh, that we that it's it's come to that today. Yeah. But we can get back to it by and I'm gonna take myself as an example, get back to just being civil to everybody. And right. then hopefully that can that can pass on to someone else right. and pass right. it on to other people. So right. Yeah, you mentioned civics. I remember taking civics at E Town High. I I remember a civics class. And you and you learned about, you know, this is how the government functions. And, you know, this is your role in the government as a citizen. Um, and all, all that was explained in that class. I, I remember that class. I can't remember who taught it. It was part of the um, I think it might have been a part of the history department. Yeah, uh, I think I Coach remember. I think Coach Baird taught, taught yes, that class. I think- yeah, I, I think he may may have been the teacher, but I, yeah. I remember that I took that class, and uh, yes, I think that is something that we need to bring that back because uh, there's so many uninformed people out there, uh, and and they're getting information from one-sided views, and they take that one-sided view and it's gospel, and then they spread that around, and next thing you know, you've got what we've got today: a lot of a lot of uninformed opinions floating around, and they're not based on anything except. So and so said, uh, but do you know what really going on as to why the government does this or why there are checks and balances on this branch of government over this government? Do you know that? No, a lot of people don't know that. Right. And like you say, the the civil discourse today it boils down to the fact that people just are not kind. And uh, I, I remember, I don't know if the last time you were in E Town, we were in E Town um, back in uh, September, and we noticed. We're riding around the different neighborhoods in E-Town, and there were these signs in the yard. And the only thing on the signs were the words, be kind. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys saw those or not. Yeah, yeah. But we're everywhere. Uh, And all it said was, be kind. And we're like, wow, that is a powerful message. Powerful message. Someone came up with the idea for those signs, and uh, that speaks volumes. That That is the primary issue uh, what's going on with us today is be kind. And that's a lesson we learned. You learned in your house. I learned in my home. My siblings learned that. Be kind. Uh, you, you can be nasty real easy, but it, t- it takes a lot of work to be kind. I think genuine kindness, uh, you got to want to do it. It's got to be in you. And uh, if you display that, I think you'll get kindness back. Yeah, not, all yeah. time, not all the time, but I think, uh, as I told my wife, I think most people inherently are good you only hear about the knuckleheads and the, you, know what I'm <laughs> yeah. you, you hear about the knuckleheads you don't hear about 
The majority of people, I think, in this country are good people. And that is what I was taught is like and it goes back to the fact there are good and bad people all over the place. They, they don't. You know, a lot of the good people don't look like you, but they're generally good people. They have good hearts. And so I think that is that is the lesson. Be kind. Be kind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one, one other thing, as you were saying that, I was thinking this also is that you know how people talk and someone, you know how kids are today. And probably some of this went on, I'm sure it went on when we, when we were in school as well, is that someone would say something about you and then it gets you all upset and so on. And you'd have to, you know, retaliate or say something back. Well, I found this really to be true is that my parents always said, if someone says something about you, don't say anything back to them. <laughs> Okay, and what happens is that it sets off an internal clock in their mind. They're waiting for you to respond. They're going to say something nasty to you, so don't respond. It hurts. It hurts them a lot worse than what they would what they said to you because they want you to respond, and you don't give them that opportunity. Right, and it just sits there, and they and they boil. It hurts them. It physically, you can (laughs) see that it. Physically, is messing with their minds by you don't you by not responding to it. You know, it takes it takes more skill and more more courage not to respond to someone than it does for you to drop to their level. You bring yourself down to them, and I have always passed that on to my students in school. You know, somebody would say this about them. Someone would say this. And I would say exactly the same thing. It hurts them more by you not saying anything than for you to go ahead and start running your mouth. Then it's going to blow up to something else. And then you're spending three to five days out of school. You're not going to be able to participate in the events that you wanted to get into because you're suspended from school and so on. So just don't say anything. Don't don't bring yourself down to that that level. It hurts them more. Right. And, and, and that flows into, you know, one of the one of the things we were taught is if you don't have nothing nice to say about someone, don't, don't say, say anything, <laughs> anything. And, uh, and and that is true. I mean, if you if you can't say if you ain't got nothing nice to say about someone, keep your yap shut. And, and, and that that is that is what's going on a lot today, man. People, <laughs> yeah. If if you can't say something nice about someone, then you're gonna start spreading whatever, a bunch of trash about people. And that's, you know, now you can hide behind social media and say this or that about people. Where when we were growing up back in the day, man, someone would say something to you, guess what? They're gonna step to you and say, Hey, did you say so and so about me? You <laughs> yeah. know? There wasn't no hiding behind Instagram and all this stuff. People right. would you and oh, yeah. and if you would open your mouth inappropriately and inappropriately and said something about someone trust me you you were going to pay for that and so <laughs> yeah. um we we've lost that you know of you know to be, again it boils back to be kind if you ain't got nothing nice to say about someone shut up yeah. and, and and just go about your business man you know yeah. so um, again, I, we, we, you, I'm sure, like you said, the, the blueprint for us growing up, I think it was the same in everybody's home. Our parents instilled in us the fact that you, you walk out this door, uh, you, you need to learn to be a good person. 
and and how you conduct yourself out in society. You right now you're a, you're a kid, but the lessons that we're trying to teach you, they're going to carry you throughout your life. And I think that's what we found uh, as we've traveled and done this or that, and and here we are now. We're we're getting ready. To, you know, we're, I hate to use the word, but we're getting ready to be the senior citizen group. You <laughs> yeah. know? But uh, we remember those things, man, of, of, you know, conduct yourself in a certain manner, treat people in a certain manner. You know, if you don't have nothing to say, nice to say about someone, don't say anything. Go about yeah. your business. and Have, uh, have self-discipline. Have self-discipline. And uh, what, what, I, I want to throw out a subject, and, 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 and the word is accountability. And we, there's an issue in society today with accountability. And uh, one of the things we learned as a kid and one of the things I've impressed to my daughter, the decisions you make, they have consequences. There are consequences. And if, and if you can't handle those consequences, you need to rethink because someone is going to hold you accountable for what you do or you don't do. And then you've got to be willing to say, I'm, I'm willing to accept the consequences for that. But today we seem to have a faction of, of people in society. They want to advocate from being accountable. Right. And uh, it, it's, it's a little, it's, it's a little, uh, I guess it's, it's disgusting at times to where, you know, what example are you setting for kids? If, you know, people aren't, you know, say, yeah, I did that or I said that. Uh, but you want to pawn it off on somebody else instead of saying, you know what, I, I did that or I said that. Sure. And it, it sets a very poor example for, you know, for for the youth, man. It sets a poor example. It's basically just honesty. Yes. You yeah. know, and I, I, I'm the first to say is, is it goes along with that is that if I make a mistake, I'll say, hey, I made a mistake. Right, right. My bad. You know, I I apologize. And some people do not ever think that they're they're going to be wrong or they'll take something back. Right. Well, I'm not that way. And I mean, in in, in school, the, the years that I taught, if there was something in the material that I covered that wasn't right and the kid brought it up and goes, Hey, Mr. Johnson, you know, you said this was in 1865 or, and it was actually 1862. And I said, really? Go, yeah. Yeah. Show you right here. I said, okay, man, I'm sorry. I'm my bad. I'm, you know, and some people will say, well, no, I said it. That's the way it's going to be. Well, no, you can't do that. Right. You know, right. if you make a mistake, you make a mistake. You know, I, I'm accountable. I mean, I coach football for 30 years and I was a defensive coordinator for like 14, 15 years. And I would make a call on defense and I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have called that, you know, and it was a big play or a touchdown or something like that. And then we would review film the next day. And I would tell tell the players, look, hey, that was my bad. I made the wrong call. I should have seen this was the the set and so on. I apologize. That's on me. And, you know, that was just that's how I am as a person. Right, you know, right. if I make a mistake, I'm just going to say, hey, my bad. I'll get better at it. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And that that is that is, a, you know, that is a fundamental 
uh, trait, I think that, you know, we, sh- we should all have as, 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 as people, um, you know, if, if it's your mistake, Hey, my bad. Um, yeah. what, what, what can we do to ensure it doesn't happen again? And, uh, and let's move forward on it. Um, one other topic I want to throw out, and that is we, we hit around a little bit, bit more and we're getting close to the top of the hour, uh, respect for authority. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been a few things in 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 the news lately um, that have been going on. And um, what's what's your take on respect for authority and how has respecting authority? Uh, how how has that played in your life as you've gone about your business? Well, you're talking about a pretty touchy subject there at times. <laughs> for the most part, I've respected authority. And authority figures are there, whether they're in the neighborhood or whether they're in public office or private offices and so on. Growing up, my parents always, once again, said you should respect the authorities because they are the authority. And that was always the case uh, until kind of recently. You know, sometimes the authorities abuse their authority. You know, but for the most part, from myself, I respect the authorities. You know, if the police are there to do something to protect me, I'm going to go with that. But if they're going to do something that's not protecting me, I'm not going to stand there and let them violate my civil rights or whatever. You know, I learned that from, you know, growing up and also teaching civil rights and all those things for the longest time. But for the most part, you have to teach. Yeah, you kind of go by what the authorities say until they step beyond their lines, you know, and like most parents, especially parents today. And this is something that a lot of people talk about, but we don't really say it publicly. You know, our kids, especially our sons and daughters, you know, especially in, in this time, being a black parent of black kids or of kids in general, you have to tell them that, you know, if you get pulled over by the police, these are things that you have to do. You have to respect that authority because you don't know where that person's head is at this time. You know, so you don't want to do anything to give them some excuse to say, hey, this person was threatening me. I felt threatened because that's a big excuse right now. Yeah. And we don't, you know, and our, our kids and uh, are told from the when they were very small, you are to respect authority. Don't talk back. Say yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. No, ma'am. And if something comes up, let let them be right for now. You get home. You talk to us. And then we'll see what's going on and see if we can get to the bottom of it. But don't go beyond your means. Don't go beyond where you should go. Don't get ticked off. Don't start running off the mouth because people with authority sometimes, when they see that you're threatening, even though that you may not be threatening, they don't know that. Right. It's like when I lived in Italy while I was in the military Every conversation sounded like an argument between Italians. Everyone sounded like an argument. They weren't arguing. That's just how they were. You know, so when black folks get together, 
conversations are always going to get louder. Yeah. That's just how it is. It's that's never going to change. So one person's going to get a little bit loud, then the next person going to have to think that he has to get louder than them. And so it seems like there's a big argument going on. Well, really, they're just loud, right, right? You know. So, so as we teach our kids, you know, respect authority. But if something goes down, make sure you let us know so that we can challenge authority if we have to. Right. How about you, man? Yeah, I uh, same thing, man. You know, we 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 were taught, hey, you know, whether it was other adults in the neighborhood or you know the people who were over you when you went out of the home, teachers, coaches, that type of stuff. Those folks are in charge. You respect that, but I, I do agree with you that when you start abusing your position as a person in that position of authority then I think I have the right to say uh, we need to talk about this because, you know, uh, you are putting me in a position that doesn't make me feel as though you are there to protect or serve. Right. And, it's, and a lot of the issues, we, we're, you know, let's just put it out there. A lot of right now, the, the, the people who are in a position of authority, uh, a lot of issues going on with young black men and cops. And uh, I, I, I passed it on to my sisters who have sons. That you have to be careful, uh, as you mentioned, you have to be careful. You cannot give them any reason, even though, you know, they have a badge, they have a gun, they have whatever authority invested in them by the, the, the government, the city government to uphold the law. You have to be careful to not give them any reason to think that you are threatening them. And and it's unfortunate. It's like that. It's unfortunate that you have to talk to your kids about that. The only talk we got was, you know, if you see a policeman, the policeman is there to help you. you know? Yeah. And that was like, hey, there's there's officer so and so. If you see him, you need help. You go to that that policeman or whatever. Right. I think that's different now because yeah, much the different. relationship between the black community and law enforcement it is fractured. And um, I, I don't know if it's ever going to swing back the other way to where, you know, when, when the police do come up in our neighborhoods, is there a mutual respect going on between those law enforcement officers and the citizens of that community? Right. I think one of the things that will help that is, is getting back to community policing to where right. you see those officers in your neighborhood. They know you, they talk to you, they treat you with some level of respect. And I think that respect will come back, but we've gotten away from that. And right. uh, you've got people policing neighborhoods. The people don't live there. They don't know anybody there right away. You know, the people are viewed as you're under suspicion and it, that, that, that relationship is not going to be good because the people are on edge and you're on edge. So, uh, so you I, know, one time, Wayne, I'm a, I, I, I don't know if we've told this story or not. I'm, I don't even know if we even talked about it, but one night, uh, Norman and I were walking across town and, um, we had walked through the bottom, you know, we had walked from, I went by his house, picked him up and then we walked, um, down by, I can't think of the name of the street, but we basically walked to railroad road, went across the tracks, went through the bottom, and then we were heading up Hawkins Hill. Because I think we were going up to maybe Jan and Jonetta Wheat's house or something like that. 
And so we were going up Hawkins Hill. You know how steep Hawkins Hill was, right? right? Yes, absolutely. So we got up past the Hawkins grocery store, and this car was behind us because, you know, the the road there was very, very narrow. Yep. So Norm and I were walking up Hawkins Hill. Norm was in front of me. And so this car was behind us. And so we just kind of waved the car on, man. You know, we're we're to the right side. We were just right. about at Sonny Jordan's house. Right, okay. And so we were waving this car on and the car didn't didn't go by us. So we stopped, turned around, and it was Elizabethtown police. <laughs> And we sat there and stopped, and they, the guy got out and said, hey, um, you know, um, where are you guys going? He said, we're going up up on the hill, and we're going to uh, the Wheat's house. And he goes, uh, you guys are suspect. And Norman and I looked at one another and said, suspect of what? <laughs> he goes, well, somebody was supposedly gotten attacked in the bottom, and we want to take you over over there and see if you can be identified as a, the people that uh, supposedly tried to attack this this person. Wow. I, no kidding. And <laughs> they put me and Norman in the back of the car, drove us back over on Haycraft Street, and we were sitting in the back of the car, and another police car showed up. The officer got out, shined the flashlight in our eyes, and said, oh, these, either one of these the guy. And the lady said, no. So we like, what was that all about? The guy said, well, you're, you're not the uh, suspect. So uh, get out of the car and uh, go on your way. And so, number one, we were mad because they took us all the way back down Hawkins Hill, <laughs> took us through the bottom, dropped us off at Haycraft Street, and now we had to walk back yeah, up well, the hill. <laughs> wow. Back up to Hawkins Hill, up past Hawkins uh, Grocery Store. Finally made it to uh, where we were going. I think it was going, we were going to the Wheat's house. And that gives you some idea of back then, respect and authority. We just got in the car. We had no idea what they were even going to uh, tell us about it until we got over there. Man, it was... That was kind of frightening because we were didn't think anything about it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a, a story of, of, of similar, not not necessarily similar, but uh, along the same lines of involvement with law enforcement. Um, back in the, I guess it was probably 2004 or five, uh, my wife's uh, dad had passed. And so we were all up at her her mom's house there on Hawkins Drive. And so um, the kids are running around, whatever. So I said, you know, let's let's go down to Valley View School. They had playground equipment there. They had a basketball court there. So I said, well, I'll take the kids down to Valley View. We'll, we'll shoot some hoops or the kids can play on the swings and whatnot. So we go walking down to Valley View. And they had resurfaced the basketball court. And so back in the day, you know, when they resurfaced the, the asphalt basketball courts, once they put the, the new asphalt down, they'd run the yellow tape around the court to let you know, hey, don't get on the court because the asphalt hasn't dried yet. Right. They hadn't cured. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so had cured. So we go down there and I can see that the court has been resurfaced, but the tape was down. So I'm like, OK, it's all good. So we walked on the court. It was fine. So we start shooting baskets and the kids are playing on the on the monkey bars. And they had a little. Um, 
merry-go-round thing down there, I believe. So the, the smaller kids were playing on that, and I had some of the bigger kids. We were shooting baskets on one of the goals. We'd been there probably about 15, 20 minutes. Police cars roll up. So I'm like, okay, what are the police doing here? And this lady across the street had called the police on me and the kids. <laughs> she told the police that there were some black people out here on the playground and they were vandalizing the playground equipment. <laughs> playing so, on it. <laughs> they're playing on it. So the, the police show up and it's like, yeah, uh, we got a call that, uh, you know, that there, there was some vandalism going on here. I'm like, what's being vandalized? We're shooting baskets and the kids are playing on the playground equipment. What's been vandalized? Well, we just got a report. So at that moment, the lady got up and went in the house. And I said, oh, was it the lady across the street over there that called you? And he's like, well, I'm not allowed to tell you who called. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so soon after that, uh, Doug Barnes rolled up. And Doug Barnes was, I think he was might have been the superintendent or something uh, for, for E-Town City Schools or some there at Valley View. He was involved there. He rolls up. And when he recognizes it's me, he's like, oh, wow. He's like, man, I'm really sorry about this. I say, yeah, man, I've lived here all my life. I was like, what am I vandalizing here? I'm just here shooting ball, shooting ball on the court, and my, my nieces and nephews are playing on the equipment. So he's like, I apologize. You know, guys, we're, we're good. Boom. I know, I know him. Doug said, yeah. I know him. It's all good. Well, I told my dad what happened. Man, my dad lit up. <laughs> he lit up the, the police department. He's like, you know, my son has lived here all his life. Why are you rolling up on him and those kids up there on that playground? You know, and, and he was serious. He's like, this is ridiculous. So, you know, and that again, you've got the authority, but I'm not doing anything. So right. and that, and you know, I think you got to know when to go back at people in a position of authority. And I think if you do it in a respectful manner, there can be a dialogue. But as you say, sometimes we tend to we tend to get excited and, uh, you know, it agitates them as well. Right. So um, we, we, we learned that, yeah, you respect authority. But at the same time, I think you do have a right to stand up for yourself when that authority is being exceeded. And it puts you in a position to where, hey, uh, you know, are you trying to harm me or something? So. Right, 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 right. I yeah. agree 100 percent. Yeah. So um, so we're at the middle past the top of the hour. Um, it's been a spirited discussion tonight. I yeah, really enjoyed yeah, Absolutely. You know, the, the, the lessons that we learned as, as as young men growing up in our respective neighborhoods and the experiences we had beyond that and how those lessons have shaped us, shaped our kids. Now that we have kids of our own and we're watching them grow and whatnot, uh, you know, my daughter, she, you know, she got a lot of the lessons. Again, her grandparents are still alive uh, on on my side. And so a lot of the lessons I got as a kid, she she has gotten those uh, when she has come home and, and, and visited and, and been around her cousins and whatnot, she's gotten a lot of those same lessons. So she's living those lessons and she's putting those into into practice and in her um, things she's doing in her life. So I think it's a you know, it's a cycle and right. uh, it's a cycle and it makes for a better society when, uh, you know, when the positive things that are, that you get from home 
You take those in society, it's a good thing for society when those positive uh, lessons are reinforced and you get a chance to pay it forward. So, Right, right. And, and the biggest thing is lessons learned. Lessons okay. learned, yeah. You, you, you have to be willing to observe. You have to be willing to learn uh, from other people, other individuals, family members, community groups, and so on. When you stop learning, it's just no good for society. Absolutely. No good for society. Absolutely. So, All right, Brother, brother Nelson. Yes, I think that wraps up our episode for tonight. And yes, uh, again, we always welcome you to tune in. Check us out on uh, SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes. Uh, check out the Across the Tracks podcast. Again, feedback is always welcome. Comments are always welcome. And if there's any topic that you'd like us to chat about, hey, let us know. And uh, we're again, we're looking to bring more guests on to get their opinion of some things. And uh, we're going to be reaching out to some folks in the community that uh, we grew up with and get them involved and, and bring them on and let them share their experiences. Absolutely. We'll, we'll do that. And uh, the only thing that we can tell you is that when we, we're trying to reach out more and get more guests, uh, since we're located in several different places, uh, if you've got Skype, let us know that you have Skype, and we would love to get you on because this is how we, we do things. We, we'll take Skype, and we'll use it and record what we our conversations, and then we'll edit that and then lo- upload that onto our podcast. So uh, I've talked to a few people. I've sent out a few notices for people to try have them come on as, as uh, guests on our uh, podcast. And we'll try to get some more. Uh, we don't care what kind of friends you are, who you are. We'll try to reach out to you and uh, get out there so that we can uh, express, you know, uh, information about our hometown and living across the tracks and the lessons that we learned as we uh, as we grew and matured. Absolutely. Down. All right. All right. Sounds good. Next till next time. Till next time. This is across the tracks. Across the right. tracks.